Come on, if you're grateful for the empty tune, give Jesus a shot of praise. Come on, you can do better than that. This is Easter. He is risen. He is risen. Woo! So awesome to have all of you here today. Happy Easter. If you're new here, my name is Pete. I serve as the lead pastor, and we are just, on behalf of all of the staff and the volunteers here, welcome to Life Church Buffalo on this glorious Easter Sunday morning. If you're listening online, hope you enjoy this experience. We look forward to having you here in person to be a part of the family that God is building here. But man, I, I believe with all my heart, I don't know why you're in church today. Some of us are here to celebrate because we know what Jesus has done. Some of us are here because it's ritual and it's tradition and it's what we do on Christmas and Easter. Some of you are here because someone invited you or your wife dragged you along. I'm not sure why you're here, but I believe with all my heart that Easter is more, it's meant to be more than just a fun holiday where we give baskets full of candy to our kids. And who are we kidding? I think as adults, we like to say it's for the kids, but I don't know how many of you raid your kids' Easter baskets as much as I do, but I'm looking forward to that this afternoon, getting some jelly beans and some Reese's peanut butter Easter eggs. Come on now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for peanut butter eggs. There's something about the eggs that are better than the regular peanut butter cups. The ratio of chocolate to peanut butter is perfect in the eggs. But it's meant to be more than a fun holiday for kids. It's meant to be more than just a historic day that we remember. It's not just a day that we go to church out of religion or duty or tradition. And maybe if that's why you're here today, you might be confused as to why so many people scream and shout and holler. Because this is not just a remembrance of a day. This is a celebration of an event and a person that has not only changed the course of history, but he has changed countless lives. He's changed my life. He's changed many of yours. And that's why we celebrate. The tomb is empty. He is risen. In fact, in fact, you know, it was an early church tradition, and I haven't done this in either of the two services, but I'm going to do it today, that when believers would, would greet one another, they would greet one another with this saying, he is risen, and then they would respond by saying, he is risen indeed, and that has been carrying on over the century, so I'm going to try it today and see if you can help me with this. So, he is risen. He is risen That's right, he is risen indeed, and because he is alive, there is hope. For every single one of us here today, there is hope if you are struggling to find some. There's hope if you are hurting, if you're broken, if you're struggling. There's hope because he is alive. I don't believe that this is just a day to remember what happened. It's an invitation to experience the one who defeated death and can change your situation, can change your life today. So I want to begin today's Easter message with a rather odd question. You probably haven't heard an Easter message begun this way before, but how many of you really hate being sick? Anybody hate being sick? I don't know that anybody really enjoys being sick, right? Except maybe students who want to get out of school, right? <clears throat> Mom, I'm sick. I don't think I can go to school. But nobody likes being sick, and I've been battling a little bit of a cold this week, some allergies. I'm not sure what's going on, but I've been mostly healthy. And uh, how many of you really like to play the part of like, dote on me, you're a baby when you're sick. You like people to take care of you. Anybody like me? Yeah, okay. How many of you get no sympathy when you're sick? Okay, good number of you. So there was, there was this time about six years ago almost where 
uh, we were living in Columbus at the time, and we had come back to Buffalo for a little mini family vacation, and my wife also had to shoot a wedding. She was a wedding photographer at the time, and she came home after working this long day. She would be gone 12, 14 hours and came home at like 10 o'clock at night, and she was just sharing with me how tired she was and how sore her feet were, and she's like, and I think I'm coming down with something. I, I don't feel good, and my, my throat's a little sore, and, and I said, yeah, you know, I don't think I feel good either. My, my throat's a little sore too, and she looked at me, guys, like the look. If I could just tell you the look. She's like, for real? Like, Really? I work 12 hours and you don't feel good? Like, do you have a man cold? I'm so sorry for you. Are you gonna die? You know, she was really laying it on thick and I was just like, I'm sorry. And I really didn't feel good, but I, I didn't wanna like minimize what she had just done working all day and not feeling well. So we go to bed that night and uh, we both wake up. She wakes up at about two o'clock in the morning to me in a full-blown cold sweat. Like I am shivering, I'm shaking, I'm sweating. And she touches me and my body is like hot to the touch. She goes, you're burning up. And so she runs and grabs a thermometer and takes my temperature. And she's like, oh my gosh, you have 104.7 fever. She's like, are you gonna die? <laughs> she just got done saying, you're not gonna die, baby. <laughs> and here I am like actually burning up and she felt so bad to this day. She feels like she's gotta make it up to me every time I say I don't feel good. She's like, let me take your temperature, you know? <laughs> but nobody likes getting sick. And the truth is, you know, whenever we get sick, it's, it's a reminder that we're not really in control of this thing called life, are we? Like at any moment, we could be diagnosed with something that turns our life upside down. Whether you're fighting a cold, little sickness, flu, or maybe something more serious, it's a reminder that none of us are really gonna live forever, are we? Reminds me of a story of a guy in the Bible that I wanna share with you today who got way more sick than I ever did. Uh, his name is Lazarus. We're going to be reading from John's gospel today, and this is not your traditional or typical Easter message. I'm not going to read the account from any one of the gospels of Jesus, you know, coming out of the grave, because I think we all know that's what Easter is all about. I hope that's why you're here, to celebrate our risen and resurrected Lord today. But I think we're going to find some principles in this passage about Lazarus that uh, have some application for our lives today. And for those of you who are here today because it's just what you do on Easter, or maybe you would say, you know what, I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. It seems really improbable that anybody could actually rise from the dead. And so if for the skeptics in the room, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. It takes a lot of courage to come to church when you're not sure what you believe. And I just want to say for the record that we try to create an environment here where, you know, it's okay to belong before you believe. That God's not afraid of your doubts or your questions, and we're not either. And so we invite you to come and investigate faith and the claims of Christ and see for yourself if he really is who he claimed to be. But as for me, I don't believe in Jesus because I was raised to. It's not because my parents, you know, taught me. I don't believe in Jesus because the Bible tells me to. I believe in Jesus because there were eyewitnesses who lived at the same time that Jesus lived and wrote down everything they saw. And what we're going to read from was written down by a guy named John, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his 12 disciples who spent three years with Jesus, was a witness, was there at the scene of the crucifixion and watched him die. And he also 
saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. He was one of over 500 people that even in extra biblical accounts testify that there were people who saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead. And so if there's a person that has eyewitness accounts written about him that predicted his own death and resurrection and then followed through on it, I'm going with that guy. I'm gonna place my faith and my trust in him. And so it's from John's gospel that we're reading in chapter 11, verse one, which says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, which was a little town about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And it was also the village of Mary and her sister, Martha, who were also Lazarus's sisters. And so the sisters send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so we learn right away, right out of the gate, that there's a connection here between Jesus and Lazarus. They're actually really close friends. Uh, there are other places in scripture that talk about interactions that Jesus had with Mary and Martha, and it's believed that he would stay with them anytime he traveled through Bethany. And so there's this connection between them. They're very close friends, and he gets sick. And so the sisters send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And they send word to Jesus because when anything happens in our lives that is outside of our control, we send for help, don't we? Like, I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. I need help. And so even though Jesus wasn't a medically trained physician, they had seen him heal more people than any doctor ever could. And so they send word to Jesus, come help the one you love is sick. And I want to pause right here at this point in the story because of that statement, Lord, the one you love is sick because a lot of times we get this idea that if I do the right things, the wrong things won't happen to me. That bad things shouldn't happen to good people, but we all know that they do, right? Like we struggle wrapping our minds around this idea that you can love God and still be sick. That you can love God and still be diagnosed with cancer. You can love God and have your spouse walk out on you. You can love God and have your kids wind up addicted to some substance. You can love God and still face pain and suffering of many different kinds. When bad things happen to you, we need to realize it does not mean that God doesn't love you. Jesus loved Lazarus. It says the one you love is sick. It didn't say the one who loves you is sick. The one you love is sick. Jesus loved Lazarus. And some of you, I think, need to consider this today because that might be the very reason that you've turned away from God. Something bad happened to you. Someone hurt you or abused you. Traumatic event happened. You lost someone that was dear to you. Life was unfair. And when bad things happen to us, we need to realize it does not mean that God doesn't love us. It's simply a byproduct of this sinful and broken world we live in. None of us are exempt from facing trials and tragedies, going through pain and suffering. And so after getting the message that his friend is sick, Jesus' response might surprise you. Look at verse four. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness is not gonna end in death. It sounds like my wife. Like, you're not gonna die. <laughs> the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, the next two verses almost seem to like contradict each other. Because in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he had heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed to his aid right away. 
No, that's not what it says. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days and then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And so John reminds us again here that Jesus loved Lazarus, second time in this passage. And yet if Jesus loved Lazarus so much, why did he stay where he was for two more days? Why didn't he rush to his aid? Listen, just because God doesn't answer you the way you want him to or when you want him to, again, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And some of you have stayed far from God because you prayed for your marriage, but God didn't answer and your spouse still left. You prayed for your parents and they didn't stay together. You prayed for your spouse and they didn't beat the disease. I know my church family is familiar with the story I'm about to share, but I know we have a lot of people who are here for the first time and guests. And so bear with me as I share this story where my dad, when I was younger, he was 46 years old when I was 21, when he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. It shocked us all. And they told us he had two years to live. And so as soon as we got the diagnosis, I began praying that night and I started reading my Bible and I was reading this passage of scripture. And when it says that this sickness will not end in death, but it will be for God's glory so that God's son would be glorified through it. I grabbed a hold of that and I believed it was a promise from God that he was gonna heal my dad. And I asked for that and I believed that and I said that to people and then two days later he died. And I'm like, whoa, what? God didn't, I thought you spoke to me. Did you not hear? Did I hear you wrong? Do you not love me? We, we assume that when God doesn't answer us the way we want him to or when we want him to, that he doesn't love us. Guys, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't concerned about Lazarus here. He loved Lazarus. It said that. But Jesus didn't panic because he had a different perspective. You see, when we're in the midst of a storm, it's easy to lose perspective, isn't it? We get overwhelmed and all we can see is the storm raging around us, right? And some of you might be in the middle of a storm here this morning. I don't know what it is. It might be your marriage. It might be health challenges. It might be relational issues. You might be you know, battling rebellious teenagers, might be a financial shortage, or I don't know, maybe you've lost your job and you're in danger of losing your house. But when we're in the midst of a storm, we lose perspective. And in the same way that like when you're flying in an airplane and you come into a storm, sometimes the pilot will increase his altitude to come above the storm and all of a sudden you see things from a different perspective. You can actually see the storm front. You can see, you know, where it begins and where it ends. And in the same way, God is above our storms. His ways are higher than our ways, and he's got a different perspective. He sees how it's going to end. And the reason that God hasn't always done what you hoped he would is because he has a different perspective and he has a different purpose. Jesus said that this would happen so that God's son would be glorified through it and so that you would believe. And so that we would believe too. Believe it or not, if you could wrap your mind around this, Lazarus's sickness was for your benefit and mine as well so that we could see the story and believe that God can do the same thing in our lives. And so after two days pass, we read in verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell his disciples our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now, it's important for us to know here that Jesus didn't get like a text message 
letting him know that something happened to Lazarus. But he knew, and so he goes, it's time for us to head back because I'm going to go wake him up. But his disciples replied the same way we would, like, Lord, if he sleeps, won't he get better? Like, that's what we think, right? When someone's sick, you got to let them get their rest. Let them sleep so they, they can, you know, regain their strength and get better. And it says that Jesus had been speaking actually of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And so then he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. And check this out. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. So that you may believe. But now let us go to him. You know, Jesus would often refer to people that had passed as not having really died, but only being asleep. And I know this is maybe a little bit strange to us. There was one time where Jesus was traveling down the road when someone came up to him whose daughter was deathly ill. And he asked Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter so that she would be healed. And Jesus agreed. And while they were on their way, one of the guy's servants came up and said, I'm sorry, but your daughter has died. Please don't bother the teacher. Don't bother the master. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa hold on. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And we're like, well, what, what gives? I, I don't understand. It's pretty easy to tell when someone's dead, right? Like they've, they've got a pulse or they don't. They're either breathing or they're not, right? If they're dead, they're, they're dead. We would never walk into a funeral home, would we? And say, guys, stop crying. They're not really dead. He's just a really deep sleeper. We would never do that. That would be incredibly insensitive. And yet here Jesus is saying that Lazarus is just asleep. And I wonder if it's because Jesus maybe has a different perspective on death. I think he has a different perspective on death because he created life. And anyone who has conquered death in the grave knows that when you die, it's not really the end. When you die physically, death is not the final word. Perhaps... God knew that the only way we would ever believe in Jesus is if he conquered the only thing that we have no control over, which is death itself. And so Lazarus is not living physically, and yet Jesus said he was just asleep. And so what's he talking about? See, the truth is there are many people who are alive today. They're physically alive. They've got a pulse. They're walking around, but they're spiritually dead on the inside. They're asleep. Do you know that you can know about God and be spiritually dead, be asleep on the inside? Do you know that you can come to church on Easter and be spiritually dead? Your parents could have taken you to church as a kid and you can still be spiritually dead, be asleep on the inside. You can be around religion your whole entire life. You can get baptized as a baby, do the first communion thing, get confirmed and still be asleep, be spiritually dead on the inside. It doesn't matter if you prayed a prayer when you were eight years old. If there is not a life connection between you and Jesus, then you are spiritually dead on the inside. And what you need isn't more religion. What you need is an encounter with the only one who's conquered death. His name is Jesus, and he wants to resurrect you back to life. That's what Easter's all about. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Because that's exactly how you feel. Like you're alive, but you're kind of numb. You're here, but you're really not. No matter what you do to try to fill that void, it continues to just eat away at the inside of you and just gnaw away as you struggle to find out the answer and the meaning to why you're here. 
You're spiritually dead on the inside. No matter what traditions you have when you grow up, no matter how many times you come to church, you can have the facade of faith. You can put on the clothes and say, amen, praise God. You know, isn't he good? And come to church and, and everything could be nice on the outside, but inside, if there's not a connection between you and Jesus, then you can be spiritually dead on the inside. But the good news for you, if that's how you feel, is that the one who conquered death is still alive and he is here today and he wants to resurrect you back to life. And so Jesus finally decides after two days that he's gonna head back. In verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home probably because she was overwhelmed or overcome with grief. Her brother had just died. But I think if I'm reading into the story that she was probably a little angry with Jesus too. Probably a little bitter that he hadn't come when they sent for him. Why did it take him so long? And so she, doesn't, she stays at home because she's angry and she's bitter. And maybe you're here today and you wish you had stayed home. You got dragged here, but you know, you're angry and you're bitter with God because he didn't come through for you like you had asked him to. It was too little, too late. And so now you're bitter and you're angry and you wish you had stayed at home. And that's okay if you feel that way because Mary probably felt that way too. But Martha, she goes out to meet him and look at her response. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. And I wonder how many of us feel that way here today. If you had just been here, I wouldn't be in this mess that I'm in. God, if you had showed up, my spouse wouldn't have walked out. God, if you had been here when I asked you to be here, then, then my father wouldn't have walked out on us. God, if you had just been here, I wouldn't be battling this disease right now. God, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, she said. And if you've ever felt that way, then you can relate with how Martha felt believing in your heart that you know God has the power to do something and yet knowing that he didn't and then wondering why. Sometimes doesn't it feel like God's just a day late, a dollar short, maybe four days late, you prayed, time goes by, nothing. If only you had been here, my brother, would not have died. But I love what Martha says next. Because what Martha says next shows us that even in her pain, even in her frustration with Jesus, there's still just a little glimmer of faith left. There's a little bit of hope left in what Jesus can do. Because look at her response in verse 22. If you had been here, God, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Listen to me today, even if you're discouraged with life, even if you feel like God hasn't come through for you in the past, even if you feel like it's too late for you, I still believe that there's a little glimmer of faith left on the inside of you. And the good news is, is that's all it takes for God to do something powerful in your life. All you need is a little bit of faith. You don't need to know everything about God to put the little bit of faith that you have, that little glimmer of faith, into the hands of the ones who created everything and who can bring you back to life.
You might be spiritually asleep today, but I believe God brought you here to wake you up. He brought you into this place to hear that all you need is a little bit of faith and God can do the rest. He said, it just takes the the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed. And you can say to this mountain, move and it'll be cast away from you. Just a little bit of faith. It's all you need and God can do something in your life. The fact that Jesus came out of the grave is meant to give you enough faith that God can do the same thing in your life. Guys, he wants to bring dead things to life. And so look at how Jesus responds to Martha's little bit of faith. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her this all important question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I love the fact that Jesus hadn't yet gone to the cross. He hadn't yet walked out of that tomb. And yet here he is saying that I am the resurrection and the life. You guys, resurrection isn't just a day. I know we call Easter Resurrection Sunday, but it's so much more than that. The resurrection isn't just an event. It's a person and his name is Jesus. And he wants to resurrect what's dead in your life today. That's what Easter's all about. It's not an event, it's a person. I am the resurrection and the life. That's why he came, to bring us back to life. So many people think that the crux of of religion is, you know, that we, it's behavior modification, that Jesus came to make bad people good. Guys, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's what Easter's all about. Amen. He came to make dead people alive. If I could have the band come back to the stage. He came to make us alive, church, but we first have to admit that we are sick. All of us, we're spiritually sick. The sickness is called sin. And it's a sickness that leads to death. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The wages, the price, the cost of our sin is death. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he had to go to the cross. Not for his sin, because he lived a sinless life. No, he went to the cross for your sin and for mine. God loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to be the perfect sacrifice, to pay the price for our sin. Because in God's economy, blood had to be spilled as an atonement for sin. And that's why Jesus came. And we've all sinned. Whether we want to call ourselves that or not, maybe the term sinner makes you uncomfortable. But even if you've never used that term, you're familiar with the symptoms of the sickness. Because if you've ever felt guilt, if you've ever felt shame when you've lied or cheated or hurt someone, those are symptoms of this sickness called sin. If you've ever felt like you've been in bondage to something that has control over you, that no matter what you try to do, You can't seem to get away from it. It just keeps its grip on you. That bondage is a symptom of sin. If you've ever felt hopelessness, if you've ever felt despair, these are all symptoms of the sickness of sin. And Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Guys, this sin 
is a sickness that's destroying you and you know it. You know it, but you don't know what to do about it. You've tried fixing yourself. You've tried like self-medicating and you've tried all these things, but there's still this thing inside of you that knows like I'm still sick. It's because you can't cure yourself of the sickness. What you need is a doctor and his name is Jesus who wants to heal you of this sickness. He is the only one that can cure us of the sickness of sin. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. And I hope you guys realize he's not talking about physical death here because we're all gonna die, right? 100 out of 100 people die. Some are earlier than others, but we're all going to die. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will never die. If he's not talking about physical death, then what's he talking about? He's saying, if you believe in me, you'll live forever spiritually. You'll live eternally with me. Spiritually, you will never die. And I think a lot of us, even if we don't want to admit it, we all think about eternity. I believe God has put eternity into the hearts of man. Regardless of where you stand on the spiritual spectrum of faith, like as a doubter, as a skeptic, as an agnostic or an atheist, deep down, whenever someone that we love or who's close to us gets sick and dies, there's this question that pops up in the back of our minds, doesn't it? Like, what's after this life? We all think about eternity. Is hell real? Is heaven real? He's put eternity in our hearts. But we don't have to fear death if we know the one who has defeated death and has promised us to live eternally if we believe in him. And Jesus looked at Martha and said, do you believe this? And Martha had a choice in how she would respond to that question. And we all must choose how we're going to answer that question too. And the truth is how you respond to that question determines where you'll spend eternity, determines if you'll live forever spiritually. And Martha's response to Jesus' question is what paves the way for a miracle. She says in verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Would you all please stand to your feet? We're going to sing a reprise of the song we sang earlier, So Will I. And I believe that God is doing something powerful in the hearts of people here today. But let me ask you a question this morning. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the son of God? As Martha proclaimed, or is he just another great man? Can I tell you who he's not this morning? Jesus wasn't just a great prophet. He wasn't just a great leader. He wasn't even just a great moral teacher. He claimed to be the very son of God, which in the words of the author C.S. Lewis means he was either a lunatic or he was Lord. There is no place to believe anything other than those two things based on his claims. He was either crazy or he is who he claimed to be. And if he can predict his own death and resurrection and then follow through on it, I'm going with Lord. But who is Jesus to you? Do you believe this? I believe God brought you here today. Some of you, God brought you to hear that question. Do you believe this about Jesus? And some of you need to respond the same way that Martha did and say, yes, Lord, 
I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again for me. You need to take that small glimmer of faith today and put it on Jesus who can bring the dead back to life. He wants to bring you back to life today. God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. No matter how many times you failed, he is after your heart today. loves you so much that he died for you. He's speaking your name this morning. Your failures can disappear today. Do you believe this? Will you leave your grave behind today? since he gladly chose surrender will you will you choose surrender today to finish the story Jesus came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance take away the stone he said and I believe right now God is removing the stone that has been over some of your hearts for a long time
Maybe you've placed a stone over the entrance to your heart to keep that distance and that space between you and God because you don't want to hear his voice. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. He's let you down. And so there's been a stone over your heart. But right now, the Holy Spirit is rolling that stone away so that you can hear his voice as he calls your name. And yet Martha objects, even though she said, even now, God, I believe God will give you whatever you ask. And see, Jesus says, okay, take away the stone. And yet she doubts because she says, but Lord, by this time, there's going to be a bad odor because he's been there for four days. And like Martha, some of you have objected to Jesus' call to his request because you're like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've strayed. There's no way God for, can forgive me. There's a stench of death around my life. There's, there's no way he could forgive me. Look at what happens. You know that God knows everything that you would ever do, and yet he still died for you? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you, Martha, that if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God. There's that word again. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed when dead things come back to life. If you believe. And so they took the stone away and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Do you believe this today? Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you? Jesus, we thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you that death could not hold you down. God, there are some people here today that have already said, yes, Lord, I believe. They are your sons and they are your daughters, and yet there are still areas of death in their life. There are dead hopes. There are dead dreams. There are dead relationships, God. And your word declares that the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of us and will quicken our mortal bodies. God, whatever is mortal in us, whatever is decaying and dying, God, right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring resurrection power and bring those dead things back to life? God, there are some people battling sickness and diseases. We've been seeing some miracles in our church. You guys need to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that by his stripes we are healed. And so if you're in need of a healing this morning, he can set you free. He can heal you. That resurrection power can set you free and deliver you from that disease. So right now, Jesus, I simply ask by faith that you would do what only you can do and heal people of cancer, heal people of ALS, heal people, Lord, of chronic migraines, heal people, Lord, of sickness, heal people of MS, Jesus, because you came to make dead people alive. Your power is here to resurrect. Lord, I believe that there are still others here today who came in maybe because it's just what they've always done on Easter. Maybe they were the invited guest of someone, but they have never said the words that Martha said. They've never said, yes, Lord, I believe you're the son of God. 
Maybe because they have doubts. Maybe because, you know, they once prayed to you and you didn't answer. But God, right now you have rolled away the stone and they are hearing your voice call their name to come out of the tomb, to come to life. He has so much more for you than you would have ever imagined. He came to bring you life and life more abundantly. And if you're not experiencing that, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus here today, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're ready to say, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the son of God, would you just let me know by slipping your hands up all across this place, boldly shoot it up in the air. I see that hand, that hand here in the center. Praise God for you. I'm so proud of you. Anybody else here today? Hands up all over the place. That's why Jesus came. He came to bring dead people back to life. We're just gonna wait here for a moment for anybody else who knows that he's calling your name. If you want to receive the promise of eternal life to know that you will never die spiritually, you will live forever with him, simply lift up your hand and we're going to pray in a moment to welcome you into God's family. Church, would you join with those who are saying yes to Jesus this morning? Would you pray these words with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God that you sent to this earth to die for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you can forgive me of my sin. So I invite you to come in to my life. I say, yes, Lord, I believe. I give you my life. It's not my own. I belong to you. Fill me with your spirit and give me the strength and the power to turn away from my old life and follow you and serve you every day for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for welcoming me into your family and accepting me as a son or daughter. Thank you, Jesus, for the empty tomb and the hope I have because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Church, can we lift up a big shout of praise? Resurrection power just helped a whole bunch of people cross over from death to life, and that's what Easter's all about. Resurrection is a person and his name is Jesus. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. What a powerful day. What a great Easter. This is the way I want to celebrate every Easter. Seeing him do what only he can do and bring dead things back to life. Listen, before we dismiss you in a few moments, I just want to take a quick second to, first of all, congratulate those of you who raised your hands and said that prayer to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Those of you who said, yes, Lord, I believe in you. Congratulations. I am proud to call you my brother or sister in the Lord. You are a part of God's family. It's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. But it's just the first step among many more that will come on this new journey that you're on as a follower of Jesus Christ. But we want you to know that you don't have to go on this journey alone. And so if you said that prayer a moment ago, I'm going to ask you to find the green card in front of you. It says, I have decided across the top. 
would you take that card out along with the pen and just mark the box on the back side of it that would let us know about the decision that you've made here today, whether you are choosing to follow Jesus for the first time or maybe renewing your relationship with him today. Before you leave, would you take that card to the welcome wall in the back of the auditorium so that we can give you a gift? We want to give you a Bible today to congratulate you on this decision. And there's also a little booklet in this bag that we're going to give you that explains a little bit more about the decision that you've just made and suggests some next steps that you should take uh, on this new path, this new journey that you're on as a follower of Jesus Christ. And because I tell you what, you know, the life of following Jesus, it's not always easy, but it's never boring. It is the great adventure of a lifetime and he wants you to experience abundant life. And we wanna walk with you on this journey and help you take some of those steps. And so I'm excited for you. Please drop that off back there. Listen, if you're here today and you don't have a church home, you don't attend regularly anywhere, we would love to invite you to consider being a part of the family that God is building here at Life Church Buffalo. God's doing some cool things, and uh, we would love to have you be a part of it. And so next week, we're beginning a brand new series called The Holy Spirit. We like to preach in series where we take several weeks to focus on a specific topic. And in the same way that after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to his Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. In fact, he told his disciples before he left, he said, it's good that I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. Spirit, the comforter. And so we're going to spend a few weeks taking a look at who this third person of the Trinity is. Who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role in my life? And so take a look at this video that gives you a little sneak peek of what's to come starting next week. But church, I love you so much and happy Easter.